welcome back to another episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. I'm here with David Berceau. You've written several books on Anabaptism. Um, we're here at your home in southern Pennsylvania. So there's a part of your story that I didn't know until recently, and that is you were a Jehovah's Witness at one point until you became an Anabaptist. Can you just walk me through a little bit of that? How did you join that movement and... Yeah, just just tell me a little bit about that. Okay, I, I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. My my mom was was one when I was you know a baby. My dad never never was. The whole family were raised Jehovah's Witnesses, and so probably about from the time I was eight years old, I was out knocking on doors. Oh wow! Okay. And uh, I was yeah extremely active in the witnesses. Um, I was an elder when I was a young man. That they. they ordained people fairly young, wow. and uh, I was in their full-time evangelism that they call pioneering. So I never dreamed I would be leaving it, but but I did, yeah. So you, you said full-time in the evangelism department. Did that mean, so you didn't have a job? That's like what you did all the time? No, they, almost none of their ministry is supported. You're self-supported. So hmm. their full-time evangelism, knocking on doors, at that time, they've, they've lowered it, but it was 100 hours a month. Mm-hmm. So you then worked maybe three or four hours a day to support mm-hmm. yourself, and then the rest was, was there. So you lived very poor, but, you, you know, uh, you were happy to do it for the kingdom. So you said your father never joined. Right. Was he religious? Only slightly. He grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. and that's what he and my mom were when Jehovah's Witness called it their home. He was in the military. They were stationed in Alaska. She's up there lonely, and Jehovah's Witness calls it the door. And, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, he left the Catholic Church, but he never joined the Witnesses, and he went on to you know have a career as a military. Although he was not a real militaristic person. I mean, he was not a he never owned guns or anything like like that. Hmm. He he had a desk job. He was never in any kind of combat. And after I left the witnesses, my mom did shortly after, and then later they started attending regularly a uh, just a conventional church, and they did that till they the rest of their lives. So, how long would have you been with the JWs, and then at what point did you leave, and and what led up to you leaving? Okay, so like I say, from the earliest childhood, I mean, as far back as I remember, I can remember going at the Kingdom Hall when I was five years old. So from there until I was twenty-six, and mm. I left when I was, and my wife, the whole story is both of us. I'll be saying me, but, mm. but uh, we, she had the same story, raised a Jehovah's Witness. We were both, you know, in the full-time evangelism. We both left uh, approximately the same time, and that was when I was 26 years old. So mm-hmm. um, I remember when I crossed the halfway point where, oh, most of my life now has been outside of Jehovah's Witnesses, <laughs> but for the longest time, yeah, most of my life had been spent in the Witnesses. Wow. So what, yeah, like what caused you, I, I'm assuming you got disillusioned with it somewhere, or was it the doctrines that were being taught? What, how did you leave and why? Yeah, it was not over doctrine. In fact, I would say very few of them do, even though most of us outside of the witnesses, you know, we would see errors in their doctrine. But mm-hmm. yeah, I still, when I left, assumed their doctrines were correct. It was a process of finally learning, okay, what they were right on and what, what they weren't. It was the false prophecy, and that is their Achilles heel. They have, from their founder on, just a continual history of making false prophecies about the end of the world. You, you know, that crisis, I mean, this goes, like I say, way back. And 
I was aware of some of it, and they they do a good job of explaining it away. But when I went and read his books, which they don't, his books aren't in print. They're, they are probably the only only Christian group out there, or you know, professed Christian group that does not publish the works of their founder. I mean, the Methodists Whoa. still publish John Wesley. You know, we still publish Menno Simons and and you know Conrad Grebel and and all uh-huh. that. The Seventh Day Adventists, you know, publish that. You know, their their people. Yeah, they're out of print. They don't want their people to 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 read them. Uh, and and the only reason I was able to read them is my wife had found some at garage sales, and we had Whoa. stuck them in our library just as a. You know, something on the shelf for, hey, look, look what we have. You know, we never opened them up, you know. But um, they had predicted the end of the world in 70, 1975 or thereabouts. I mean, they were, you know, they kind of hedged their, their thing. Mm-hmm. But in 1976, and that's when I was 26 years old, it's like not only has the end not come, it's not, things aren't falling apart like they were supposed to have happened, you know. And, and I got to wondering, yeah, what did this guy really say? And so I went and read his books, and it's like, wow. I mean, he made so many specific predictions, and that Christ, everything, the millennium would start in 1914. Um, you know, all war would be over. All of this would happen in 1914. And, of course, none of that happened. But now the second part of it was not only was he a false prophet, but I saw that the Watchtower Society that I had so much faith in and just, mm. you know, trust in whatever they said. Well, I had their history book and it's like, wow, they have not been honest about their history because they made it sound, what they say now is that the time of the end began in 1914 and then it's going to, you know, Christ return and the millennium start later. Mm. But he was saying the time of the end had begun back in the 1700s and was going to end in 1914. And so it's like, oh. wow. And, and they were hiding all of this from us. And so I realized, okay, he was a false prophet. I'm following an organization that is not honest, you know. And I thought about Jesus' words, beware of false prophets. Yeah. And I thought, now, okay, so my Lord says to beware of false prophets. And if the witnesses are correct, and that means he used a false prophet to re- restore his church before he came back. And it's like... But he said to beware of them. I mean, can I believe that about my Lord, that he would say, beware of false prophets, and then he uses one, and you, you have to follow this false prophet if you're going to be in the right wow. place. Wow, yeah. And so that, and then it was really two issues, that and the judgmentalness that the connection there was, yeah, they say every, you know, all the other churches are in darkness. You know, we have the light. No one else is a Christian. You know, everybody else is, is you know, going to be lost if they don't become a Jehovah's Witness. Hmm. Uh, I'm simplifying it, but, um, uh, you know, when the end comes, if they haven't become a Jehovah's Witness by then, then, you know, there might be a few exceptions. It's like, now, wait a minute. We have all of these skeletons in our closet, and yet we're judging all of these other people. And Jesus said, you know, the same measure you use, you're going to be measured the same way. Hmm. And... And they have a strong teaching on group accountability. So if you're part of a group that has done this or that, then they say, well, you share blood guilt, you know. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, we're judging all of these people and saying these horrible things about them and look at all of our errors, you know. Even if the churches have a lot of errors, look at all of ours. And and wow. so that was, you know, hey, if I'm going to follow Jesus, he made this clear. 
And I was so certain I could rely on the scriptures. It's not like now, mm-hmm. how many years later, is it nearly 50 years later, um, I'm not like, whew, the end didn't come. Boy, I, I, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't. I mean, I, I knew that they were wrong. I mean, there's no way Jesus would use a false prophet. So mm-hmm. I had no doubt when I left. But again, I was assuming their doctrines were all correct, you, you know, at that point. Wow. And but, that would be typical for, I'd say, most ex-Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. So then once you got out, you had to start reevaluating all your actual beliefs, like the actual theology. And then from there, you were able to reconstruct. And now, obviously, you wouldn't believe those things anymore. Well, yeah, the things that they're, they're, they're wrong about. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was a long process. And it's what got me into the writing of the early Christians. You know, I, I finally mm-hmm. realized, look, you know, you just pick up the scriptures and, and, th- and this church interprets it this way. And the witnesses, you know, I was raised with this mm-hmm. interpretation. I realized I need to, needed to find out what was the historic faith mm-hmm. that I could, you know, obviously read the scriptures for myself, mm-hmm. but, you know, for everything they believe, they have proof text. I mean, they don't just grab it out mm-hmm. of nothing. You know, they have these scriptures. Mm-hmm. And of course, conventional churches have their scriptures and different churches have, have different ones, you know, and it's like, well, so mm-hmm. how do I know what is the correct understanding? I don't want to be misled again. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go see what did they believe in the beginning. The people who got the faith from the apostles, what did they believe? And so I spent a year reading the writings of the early Christians up, up to the Council of Nicaea. The, that is the first few hundred years of Christianity. And, oh boy, that opened my eyes to so many things. And it made the scriptures make so much sense. And instead of having to grab a scripture here and there, the early Christians, it's taking everything. What does the whole New Testament teach on this? And you don't have these problem verses you have to hide. I mean, as witnesses, we always had these problem verses you had to hide. But then I have to say, evangelicals always had their problem verses too, you know. And so that was exciting. But then it was a matter of, okay, so who's, who teaches these things? And, and that's why I wrote the book, Will the Real Heretics Please Stand Up? It was one of the reasons I was hoping if somehow God opens the door and this book circulates, Hopefully there will be a group that he will lead the book to and they'll say, hey, this is what we believe, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I started hearing from people saying, hey, this, this pretty much describes what, what mm-hmm. we believe. So that's what led me to my journey to the Anabaptists. Wow, that's an, that is a, a roundabout way. <laughs> yeah, a, and a long one. I mean, we're talking now about a period of nearly 20 years that all this, wow. all this took place, yeah. Wow, and maybe that's a bit of an encouragement for some of our audience when they're on a journey you know, sometimes you just want to arrive right now. And, you know, it, it takes time. It yeah. does. Yeah. It takes time to sort, sort it out. And in some ways, I'm glad I didn't just drop everything the witnesses believe, because if you let go of things that easily, probably whatever new thing you you mm-hmm. get on, you're going to drop it too, you know. <laughs> and I thought, no, this time I want to know that what I'm embracing is the historic mm-hmm. faith. And, yeah, I can stay with it. My, I can train my children in it, and they can stay with it, and it, it's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so going back to your time when you were in the JW movement, uh, what parts about it were a, a positive experience, and then what aspects of it were you say were, were a negative experience? For me, and, and this isn't true of, of everybody who's left the Witnesses, mm. for me, my time in it was almost... 99% positive. I, I mean, it was a good experience for, for me. I didn't leave because I was unhappy about anything or anyone had been unkind to me or, really or anything like that. 
And it's where I came to a faith in Christ. Now, it wasn't a totally accurate one, but uh, it's where I gave my life to, to Christ. I want to serve him with my life, and that's never changed. And so I'm grateful for that. It's where, you know, I got a basic understanding of, of Scripture. And I'm not talking about doctrines now, but just, you know, the Old Testament, all of the history of the Old Testament. They do a lot of Bible reading and study. And I was particularly studious. So, you know, I, I did a lot, and that has stayed with me. I'm, I'm glad of that. Some really kind people, I mean, and friends there that, you know, unfortunately, they shun me now, but... but um, uh, that's on their part. I mean, there's people that I would still have, you know, very high regard for, you know, in, in the witnesses. So for me, it was positive, positive. It was just, if it's not true, it doesn't matter how, you know, nice things are. It's like, hey, I'm, I don't, I want to serve Christ. That's what this is all about, you know, not, not a nice church experience. Now, leaving is never pleasant because, um, to question them or to leave, you, you can't leave peacefully. You, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to be excommunicate. Well, they call it just fellowshipping, total shunning. Total, they will not speak to you. Even your own family doesn't uh, speak to you. Like my sister, I just learned, you know, just had a cancer operation yesterday. Yeah, I learned it, you know, through my children. I wouldn't have even known. I mean, yeah. Because she can't. She can't talk to me, you know. And it's not personal. I mean, it's not like, oh. Um, and I don't take it that way. I realize they're following the teachings of their church. Wow. But so people are cut off from their parents, cut off from their children. That is a very, very hard. And you are, I mean, um, I've thought a lot years ago I was selling encyclopedias when I was a full-time full evangelist. Uh, one of my uh, part-time jobs was selling encyclopedias door to door. And <laughs> Uh, anyway, I was working with this crew, and I remember talking to one of the salesmen. He was a little bit further up, you know, th mm -hmm. than I was. And then the boss who was over him and, and me, I was saying something about, boy, he really likes you. You, you know, he, he, he says a, a lot of good things about you. And uh, he said, well, I'll tell you the way it is with Mr. Davies. That was his name. He's no longer living. So uh, he said, as long as you're working for him, you're the greatest guy in the world. But the day you quit, you're a dog, you know? Um, and that's almost exactly the way it is with, with the witnesses. You know, as long as you're a witness and you're an active one like I was, yeah, you, you know, you're, everything is great. The day you leave, yeah, you are, they're going to smear your name. I mean, they're never going to say, um, well, yeah, he was misled, but he had good intentions. No, it is something, you know, they accused me of like, maybe mm. I was committing adultery, maybe, I mean, all kinds of stuff. Um, and from wow. there on out, I mean, you, you are just, yeah. like I say, scum. And so, yeah, it's a very hurtful experience for those who, who leave. And so most who leave are, are pretty bitter about it because of that. They, they basically don't want you to have any legitimacy when it comes to the things you're pointing out. Exactly. They try to destroy any legitimacy you would have. And so to smear your name and to mm. malign your intentions, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, what was he really after? What was the real, you know, it's mm -hmm. never that, oh, he honestly thought we were wrong or was honestly convicted we're wrong. No, he had some ulterior motive, you know. That is interesting. And that's just part of keeping those walls up, I guess. And that's how they keep people... And mm -hmm. they allowed, now you say about, you know, any bad experience, 
it wasn't a bad experience for me because I never questioned them. I mean, I was the ultimate, you know, Jehovah's Witness, never questioned everything, did everything the way you were supposed to until the end, you know, and that my leaving was like a three-month process. When I started digging, when I saw it, it was like, wow, that's wow. pretty fast. Yeah, actually. it was. Yeah. Now, I had quit the uh, full-time door-to-door, but I still was working part-time, so I had lots of time, you know, to, to really study. And, it, you know, as you know, I'm a studious person. I mean, that yeah. is my, yeah. my, my gift. You know, I like, <laughs> like to dig into things and... And all that. So, yeah, once I got in there, it was like a, a binge thing, you know, reading early in the morning wow. till night. And, yeah, when I started seeing it, it was like, wow, there's no way around this. I mean, it is just as clear as it can be. And huh. and so I didn't have a long, drawn-out experience of where people were, you know, mm-hmm. mean to me. And I pretty much kept it to myself and maybe one close friend. And then when I left, I left, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, it's a drawn-out experience. So they go through years of really, you know, being called into meetings, being, you know, uh, uh, shouted. Well, I shouldn't say shouted, but, you know, really put down and, mm-hmm. and you know, um, rebuked and, and, and this sort of thing. And, it, yeah, it can be very, very hurtful. I mean, I know a, an ex-witness, his dad died. Never, you never, No one ever even told him, you, you know. I mean, his parents had cut him off because he'd left. He was an adult, you know. And then, I mean, here, years later, you know, his dad had died, you know. And so, yeah, you can imagine That's there's a, a lot of, yeah, a lot of bitterness and hurt out there. They allow no dissension. So when you're a witness, to question even a little thing, you're like, oh, this issue that of the watchtower, you know, that, that's, that, that argument doesn't seem to be a very good argument. Oh, boy, just to say that, you're going to be brought in before the elders and, uh, yeah, you either gonna backtrack wow. or yeah, you're likely on your way out. Even if you didn't want to be on your way out, you, you know, th- then they will they will force you out. It's like a, a very strict hierarchy of authority, basically. Yeah, and yet they're always in their publications. From the time I was, I was a little boy, it was always running down hierarchy, like the Catholic Church and their hierarchy. Yeah, God doesn't want a religious hierarchy, and yet, <laughs> I mean, the Whoa. Catholic Church, you you can. You can dissent with all kinds of stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of Catholic authors who say all sorts of things. I mean, the Catholic Church is nowhere near Whoa. controlling as Jehovah's Witnesses, even in the Middle Ages. As a Jehovah's Witness, like, you can't write a book, even a book that totally is in harmony with their stuff. No one is allowed to write except the people in control of the Watchtower. You can't, like, as uh, Anabaptists, as Mennonites, and Amish... We have a lot of groups who sing, you know, and they'll mm-hmm. maybe do a recording. No, you could not do that as Jehovah's Witness. If Whoa. it's not issued from the Watchtower, you as an individual couldn't even take witness hymns and sing them as a group and and do a recording. Um, <laughs> okay, that's, I did not know yeah, that. You can't wow. write a tract. Mm. You know, you cannot, nothing. It all has to be from the Watchtower. So there probably is no other group that is as controlling as as the the witnesses and so yeah if you're a witness and you're starting to question things like i say when, when i saw it i i just left and i'm glad i did but ones there are ones who stay in and then they 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 question sometimes they do it surreptitiously and then they get found out and and like i say they go through all kinds of of mm-hmm. of turmoil and and you know oppression put on them so it can be very very uh hurtful for people in the process of leaving or who want to stay in but dared to question something. That is really, I, di- I didn't know that. No, yeah. and a lot of people don't. They, it's easy to get in. I mean, you know, when they call on your door, I mean, it's mm-hmm. nice and yeah, yeah, and all that. But 
Yeah, it, you can come in. I, I remember when I used to, you know, have television and all that, there was an advertisement for a product called Roach Motel. I don't know if they even make it but mm-hmm. anymore, but it was like a glue thing where a roach could go in, you know, to get this bait. Mm-hmm. And their ad was, the roach can check in, but he's never going to check out, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought a lot about that. Witnesses, oh, it's easy to come in, yeah. You can get out, but boy, you're, yeah, you're going to pay a huge price personally wow. and, and all that to, to come out. And it's probably going to destroy you spiritually. Most who come out, mm-hmm. uh, come out as agnostics because the experience is so hurtful. They lose their faith in God and, and in the Bible. Just throw it all out. Yeah, yeah. just throw it, throw it all out. I've had enough of organized religion. I've, I've had mm-hmm. a, a, enough of everything. And that's the wow. really sad, scary thing about it is, mm-hmm. is not just the false doctrines, but the, yeah, the spiritual damage they do. So those who do leave are probably not going to follow Christ once they've, they've left. They're not even going to search because they've had such a hurtful experience. Well, fortunately, you were willing to search. And I, I am so glad, and I was helped so much by a pastor uh, and his wife who took an interest in, in Deborah and I. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to even talk about without choking up, but I realized, and, I, and we're still in touch. You know, that was many years ago, but I owe everything to them, you know, that they really took a, an interest in us and mm-hmm. took us for where we were. Instead of talking down to us, oh, yeah, you're next witness. Now, let me tell you the truth. Yeah, they were willing to listen, and they could tell, hey, we were close to Christ. We had something going on in our mm-hmm. lives, and they were willing to approach us at that, at that, you know, and we could have a relationship from there, and give, and they gave us time then to grow on our, at our own pace. Mm-hmm. And, but that's not usually the experience, and so it makes it hard the other thing that I realized, I'm, I'm really, it was hard at the time. It made it really hard. There were no ex-witnesses when I left. Uh, I mean, the, you know, it's like, this is it. I, mean, I remember the day I left, it's like, whoa, where do whoa. I go now? I mean, it, it just seemed like a big, empty world, and which was really hard, but it meant, okay, I have to, I have to find some association. Okay, now there's lots of ex-witnesses, and they can all connect, you know, through the Internet. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. It makes it easier, but it means then they often, that's as far as they're going to go. I'm an ex-witness. I'm going to find other ex-witnesses and we can sit and, and, you know, run down the witnesses and talk about, you know, our experiences. And all that could be helpful for a while, but hey, you you can't be an ex-Jehovah's Witness. That can't be your religion. I'm an ex-Jehovah's Witness. It has to be Jesus Christ. You know, I have to follow him. And the fact the witnesses were, were wrong it's no different than the fact the Montanists back in the year 200 were wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. that doesn't have anything to do with Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, his church goes on, you know, his kingdom goes on. The fact that some group is wrong, yes, people are hurt, but mm-hmm. Jesus is still there. It's not his fault that some group is out here saying something that, that's not correct. That's a good perspective. I think, I think there's a lot of people who need to hear that. I, I'm just thankful God helped us get through this. There was a lot of hurt, but learning to forgive. I mean, if, if you go out and, and you don't forgive them and turn the other cheek, it's going to destroy your life. And mm-hmm. Deborah and I realized that at, at some point that, look, we have to forgive. And if they want to blackball us and smear our name, okay, fine. 
this is just more opportunity to put Jesus' words into practice to love your enemies. On the, you know, when he was dying, he, he said, you know, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. And I know the witnesses, it's not like they're trying to personally be mean. I, they think they're doing the, the right thing. And yeah. so, yeah, I just need to forgive and, and, and move on. And, and that would be my message for any ex-Jehovah's Witness. Can you do a, just a, a quick comparison of Anabaptist beliefs and... And Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witness beliefs, yeah, that's yeah. that's got to be interesting. It, and, and it is, and and the the two things Jehovah's Witnesses have correct that most conventional churches don't are the doctrine of the two kingdoms. That they don't use that term; they call it neutrality. Mm-hmm. That we don't get involved in the kingdoms of this world. We we don't vote. We don't run for political office. We stay away from all of that. And we don't go to war and, and, and kill people. So wow. when I left the Witnesses, I wanted to find a church that, that didn't believe in war. And mm-hmm. uh, if I had been in Pennsylvania, I would have probably found the Anabaptists right away. And, and my journey would have been a pretty short one. Um, but who, who knows how things would have worked out. But in Texas at that time, there were no conservative Anabaptists. So uh, this was the 70s, 1970s. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, I, you know, I read about the Anabaptists, and this was all interesting, but there was no church I could go to. There were liberal Mennonite general conference churches, but that, that mm-hmm. was it. But, um, and so my journey to the Anabaptists was because of the early church, you know, finding the historic faith, and then through that, finding the Anabaptists. But, yeah, there was those two points in common, uh, the two kingdoms and, and non-resistance. So we have that. There's some other things. Of course, like a lot of churches, the witnesses believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, infallibility of, of, of Scripture. Uh, they would be creationists. They practice church discipline. Now, I've heard <laughs> there's, there's the, the really, they go overboard, which is yeah, hardcore. It, you know? <laughs> and that's so often the case. The ones who still practice church discipline so often practice it unscripturally, you know, like mm-hmm. Jehovah's Witnesses. But not everybody is, is uh, you know, put out for shunning. A lot of people are disciplined for things like adultery or drunkenness or, or, or things like that. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised when I left the witnesses that churches that, you know, Bible, so-called Bible-believing churches, that they didn't, there's no church discipline. I mean, if it's really, really bad, they, they might do something. But generally speaking, there's, there's no church discipline. Mm-hmm. And so even though the witnesses go to a, an extreme, it is good they have church discipline. Now, you know, like in our churches, we don't shun people, the ones that, you know, the one I attend and, and treat people like that. But, yeah, you would be barred from communion. And if it was, you know, something public that you didn't repent from, you might be asked not to, you know, come anymore to the mm-hmm. church. You'd certainly lose your church membership. So I do appreciate that, that, you know, I grew up understanding church discipline. Marriage, it they don't, have quite the biblical solid position that Anabaptists would hold to, but it was a very strong teaching on the permanence of, of, of marriage. So when mm. Deborah and I got married, it was like, yeah, this is, you know, well, we thought forever that, you know, we would mm-hmm. never die, that we would uh, be living forever here on the earth. But I'm glad we had that because there were some hard years it, just in leaving the witnesses. I mean, our whole life changed and, and all of that. But I mean, it just never crossed our minds, you know, of divorce. I mean, that was just a word that wasn't in our vocabulary. You know, we married forever. And, yeah, I'm so glad for that that teaching, you know, that, that we had that, that I see in so-called Bible-believing churches, wow, people get divorced and remarry all the time. Now, the witnesses do allow divorce for uh, adultery, 
and people coming in, if you come in, you're divorced or remarried, then they just accept you, you know, where you're at. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, yeah, it's not totally right, but at least it is mm -hmm. a, a step ahead of most churches, yeah. So then, kind of going from what you just said there, what would be the proper response then um, from Anabaptists or, you know, just people who believe the Bible when they encounter Jehovah's Witnesses? What, what should we do? I mean, we've all yeah. had that experience, right? Yeah. Where they come knock on your door. Whether you want what, it or not, you're yeah. going to have the experience. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what should we do? You know, I wish I, I wish I could, you know, tell you a thing. Oh, if you say this, you, you know, you will um, be able to help them mm -hmm. come out. Now, people have all kinds of things, you know, that you might be able to stump a Jehovah's Witness at the door or something like that. But, okay, if that makes you feel good, great, you, you know. Mm -hmm. But that's not going to help them spiritually, uh, like I say. Um, I would say the thing to do is leave an impression that they understand that there are loving people out there. Jehovah's Witnesses actually believe, and I believed it, that nobody has Christian love, agape love, Whoa. except Jehovah's Witnesses. And that, that would be another thing that helped, that made me wonder, you know, when I was one, because I started meeting neighbors and people. I was in a small southern town where most people were, you know, so-called born-again Christians, and, you know, hmm. there was a lot of love, you know, and I thought, wow, no one's supposed to have it except us. And it, it did make me wonder, so if you're nasty to them, well, that's just going to reinforce this idea that, oh, yeah, the, the churches are also wicked and, and, and all of that. But don't expect that anything's going to happen at the door. But this is the thing I think you can be hopeful about. Jehovah's Witnesses have the highest dropout rate of any sect or, or church. Uh, now, Whoa. they grow because they make a lot of, they also have one of the highest, you know, conversion rates. Yeah. But they have right. a lot of people drop out. So, the person you're talking to, there's a decent chance at some point they are going to be questioning. And um, I remember the people who were kind to me, you know, when I left the witnesses, that some of them I actually even looked up, you, you know, mm -hmm. that, that had made an impression on me when I talked to them at wow. their door, that they... Um, seem to understand their Bible and, and that sort of thing. I mean, of course, the people are nasty. I mean, yeah, that, I, I certainly, they were of no help at all. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, unless you have some time and you're really well prepared, which I don't know it's the best use of time, I, I wouldn't encourage someone to try to sit down and, oh, yeah, I'm going to try to, you know, convert you on this. They have all of their proof text down, you, you know, mm -hmm. And when you try to show them other things, in their mind, you're twisting the scriptures, you know? It doesn't matter even if it makes more sense than their list of proof texts. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, just being kind and, and maybe uh, if they're talking, often they'll be talking about the kingdom of God. You might say, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, our church really teaches a lot about the kingdom of God. And that's the first thing, you know, you know that I put, I, I put the kingdom first in my life. And, you know, um, and maybe just tell them a little bit about, you know... Uh, Anabaptist, yeah, you, you know, we don't go to war. We don't get involved in the countries of this world. You're just leaving a seat. If, if later, you know, they, they do uh, leave. But unfortunately, yeah, I, I wish there was a way. I've, I've talked to a lot of ex-witnesses. I have yet found a single ex-witness who left because someone at their door, you know, mm -hmm. said one of these clever things, you, you know, that, you, and like I say, you can stump them on, on, on something like that, but yeah, you left because, no, that's not why anyone left. It's things that they see while they are a witness. Yes, is there anything else you would like to add? Well, as Anabaptists, talking about 
helping or reaching a Jehovah's Witness, you're probably not, as I said, when they knock on your door, but now you might have interactions with them in your work, places like that. You might have a Jehovah's Witness who works for you or someone who calls at your place of business regularly. Okay, there, your Christian witness just being honest, being kind and fair, and yeah, there, yeah, you can talk a bit about your faith, you know, if, if you know, if it's convenient, whatever the, the situation is, they probably aren't going to take any literature. They're not allowed to. Yeah, I mean, like, it's so controlling. Like I say, not only are you not allowed to write anything as a witness, but you're not allowed to read anything. You, you can't have a Bible dictionary from someone who's, that's not put out by Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, it, they control all of your knowledge, all of your, you know, everything. You can't have, you can't listen to hymns, the, the great classic hymns that we all listen to. You're not allowed to listen to them as a Jehovah's Witness. All of their songs are written by them and all that. So, it, yeah, there, there's a wall there that makes it really hard uh, to reach. But like I say, in everyday interactions, it impressed me when I saw loving people and people, yeah, they're really honest. And, and often, wow, they did things maybe I wouldn't have done as a Jehovah's Witness. I wouldn't have done anything dishonest. They teach a lot about, you know, honesty and integrity. But I thought, wow, these people, yeah, go beyond what, uh, go the extra mile, some of the people in town and their small businesses. So, yeah, you can give a profound witness that way that, uh, like I say, you're planting seeds. No, nothing's going to happen right there on the spot unless they're just ready to leave the witnesses and they happen to, you know, to be at your place. But like I say, there's a, a decent chance, yeah, they're going to be questioning at some point. That's encouraging to think about, you know, like we can still have an impact by how we live. Very much. How you live, I, I think, is going gonna, is gonna to be the greatest way to reach them. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I, I really appreciate that. That is very interesting. Well, thank you, Reagan. It's been great to talk to you. Yeah, well, hopefully this deeply impacts somebody. For more information about Anabaptist Perspectives, to read our blog, to donate, and to see videos of the conversations you hear on this podcast, visit anabaptistperspectives.org. We'd love to hear from our audience, so leave your feedback in the comments for this podcast or send us a message through our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. Thank you for listening to Anabaptist Perspectives. Your listening and sharing this with friends helps more people find our episodes. A special thanks to all of you who support Anabaptist Perspectives financially. We are here because of you. If you haven't had the chance to give yet this year, would you consider making a year-end donation? You can donate on our website or by check. Thank you so much for listening and supporting Anabaptist Perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We invite you to join our monthly partner program. Monthly partners are key to the financial sustainability of Anabaptist Perspectives. Partners also gain access to bonus content, including our exclusive podcast where we respond to audience questions and comments. Sign up at anabaptistperspectives.org.